Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NABIP's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your healthcare happy hour. The House passed the Employer Reporting Improvement Act on Wednesday evening, a bill that provides much-needed relief for employers by easing certain aspects of the reporting requirements under Sections 6055 and 6056 of the ACA. This has been an issue that NABIP has been active on for several years since the employer reporting process was created, and for employer reporting legislation to make it this far is extremely exciting. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, we are joined by NABIP lobbyists John Green and Michael Andil to discuss. So, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Before we get into the detail about the bill's passage in the House this week, John, I referred to you as one of our lobbyists, which is true, but you also have a new title, isn't that right? Well, that's true, Dan. I'm very pleased and honored to lead the Government Affairs Department as Senior Vice President of Government Affairs. We also have a new PAC manager coming on board who is very experienced and will really be able to add to our team and just look forward to working with membership, the new board, and the new CEO. So let's talk employer reporting. So we discussed the bill a bit on the podcast a couple of weeks back when it passed out of committee, but now that it has cleared one chamber of Congress, it's certainly worth detailing once again. So would you mind talking about some of the specific ways that this bill, H.R. 3801, will ease the burden of the reporting process? Well, sure. So as you may know, that the main chassis of prospective reporting was eliminated. But all the belts and suspenders around that remain. And they are still extremely worthwhile. They will reduce compliance costs and make compliance a, a, a bit smoother. So, for example, if you receive a 226J letter, instead of having only 30 days to respond in writing, you will now have 90 days. So we expanded the time that you have to respond. Additionally, you won't have to report social security numbers of dependents. This has never really been necessary for purposes of health insurance anyway, and it saves the employer the time chasing down these numbers and reporting them to the IRS. In addition, employers have always been nervous about breaches of security and and having that information leaked in some way. So it removes that. It also sets some guardrails around how long the IRS has to present a 226J letter to an employer. Many of you know that IRS is grossly behind in audits. And so, um, you know, it's just been open-ended under the law, but we have it conformed to current law and current regulatory practice. And that's about six years. And I think that is in itself a very good thing. And hopefully 
it would never come to that, but why not have that certainty, right? And the last thing is it allows for employers to do things electronically with employers who are willing to opt into that option. So rather than having to do a very expensive mailing to um, employees and former employees and trying to track them down, they can do so electronically. That's a big time saver. And so you mentioned that this bill does not contain the prospective reporting system that previous iterations did contain. So for those who may be wondering, why is that provision excluded from this bill? Every bill has to go undergo what they call technical assistance with whatever governing agency is responsible for carrying out the provisions in the law. And in this case, it's Treasury and IRS. And we did technical assistance with Treasury. And they said that they were unable to fulfill the requirements under the statute for prospective reporting. These are career people. They are not going anywhere. And if they say they cannot do it, um, then there's no point in keeping it in the bill. Now, I personally have my own feelings or thoughts about that, but that's what they said. And so we took it out. And in fact, last night when it came up on the floor for consideration, Mr. Thompson and Mr. Smith both said in their uh, statements that they were disappointed that this had to be removed from the underlying bill as it is really the chassis, the main point of the bill. And I thought that was really wonderful to hear them say that. They said that in committee as well. I can't tell you how much we appreciate that effort uh, to try to keep that in, but unfortunately we had to take that out for that reason. The bill, as we mentioned, passed the house, which is great. So what are the next steps and where do we go from here? Hey, thanks, Dan. This is Michael. John and I have already been in discussions with our former Senate sponsors of the old bill to come back and reintroduce it as passed by the House. It has momentum and introduced that. So we're in conversations with Virginia Senator Mark Warner and then Senator Todd Young. And it looks like uh, conversations with their offices are going well. They're disappointed that the prospective provisions are not in the bill, but they understand a win is a win. When you've got momentum, you just go ahead and go through, claim that victory. Don't stand in the way of a moving train and uh, don't delay progress. So we will keep you updated as we work through the Senate. As you know, they are not as expedient as the House, but we are very optimistic as things move on. And if we are successful in the Senate, it still needs to be signed by the president. And we see no reason why the president would not sign that bill and make it law. Outside of employer reporting, are there any other legislative priorities of ours making their way through Congress that folks should keep an eye on? Absolutely, Dan. A couple of issues we've got moving are related to telehealth. There were several telehealth provisions that started during the pandemic and have proven popular amongst both parties. One would allow for patients to visit their primary care physician before reaching their deductible if they have a high deductible health plan with an HSA. And so the flexibility of being able to visit your doctor with telehealth, those rules becoming permanent, quite popular, and we think has a decent chance of passing in the Senate 
Another version would allow standalone telehealth policies where employers can offer these to their employees. I'm not sure if the Senate has as much favor for those types of telehealth policies, but there are definitely a lot of conversations around telehealth because patients seem to like it, especially if you live in a rural area, you have difficulty reaching transportation, et cetera. So we, we do expect to see something passed by the end of the year around these areas. All of this legislative progress is particularly exciting because it happens to be that this weekend is NAPIP's annual convention in New Orleans, which is our first convention as the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals since we changed our name at last year's convention. So unfortunately, you guys won't be joining us in Louisiana, but do you have any fun suggestions for attendees? Well, as you know, Bourbon Street is a lively place to be entertained by some fantastic musicians. There's also great places to eat and enjoy the Cajun food that you can't get anywhere else in the world other than in New Orleans. Yeah, Dan, there's some real words of caution for New Orleans. Number one, if you're getting a beignet, make sure you're not uh, there wearing a black dress or something because that powdered sugar is really going to be difficult for you for the rest of your week and your colleagues are going to know where you've had your beignet. I'd recommend that everybody get out and enjoy the great architecture, get to know the local uh, food and flavors, and maybe take something off the beaten path. Maybe go to the Garden District, take the little trolley down there. I think your your check-in table there might have some good ideas. Whatever you do, don't join the buskers. You know, they've got their income. So, you know, if you could join in and play, that's great, but don't take their tips. Now, I'm a history buff, and I really like the World War II Museum. You know, the Higgins boats, which were key to victory in World War II, were invented and produced in New Orleans. And so they are quite famous, and it's quite a museum, the largest one of its kind I've ever been to. Interesting. And folks can also learn about more things to do on NABIP.org under our convention page and on the NABIP app. It is now time for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So who are we toasting to this week? I think we're going to have to do a double. Two shots up this week, John and Dan. I think we're going to have to give a shout out to Representatives Mike Thompson and Adrian Smith for sticking with us for how many years, John? About 13. 13 years. So that's that's a pretty good celebration. We appreciate them sticking to it and making sure that employers can get relief for ACA reporting. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for NAPIP's Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. For more information on NABIP's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit nabip.org.